Sliced Apples Podcast with Alex and David. Yo. Two fans. Two fans. Two fans. It's been a while <laughs> since I did like a intro like that. Two fans. Two I was fans. doing it too often, so I had to cut it out, but thought I'd bring it back one time for the one time. Um, but we're here. It's your boys. I'm David. The other one's at Alex. The other one's Alex too, but he's Alejandro. <laughs> um, but we got a we serious don't... topic today. So yeah, we're getting yeah, the, yeah. we're getting the we're getting the fun and the like, you know, little fancies out in the front because there's some yeah. serious stuff going on right now in the sports we're, world. We're, we're like a, a mullet party in the front business in the back, or is it the opposite? It's the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you had party in the front business in the back, you'd look like Johnny Bravo. That's what you look like. <laughs> it's not a mullet. Well, then we're the opposite of a mullet on so then okay. I, I, I don't have a mullet, so I don't know. I'm all business, I guess. Um, so as you probably got, if, if, you, if you don't know, you've been living under a rock, but bombshell that hit. I remember getting that ESPN notification reading and it was just like, what? So topic of news today is that Brian Flores has filed a lawsuit against the NFL and also specifically the Giants, Broncos, and Dolphins, even though they're part of the NFL, so I guess they're it's all the same thing. Brian Flores filed a lawsuit against the NFL claiming racial discrimination, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. The thing was for me personally, me personally, I didn't see this coming. But let me let me let me hit y'all with what we know so far, what we know from what the reporting, what the lawsuit says. So Brian Flores suing files a class action lawsuit against the NFL. So some of the accusations he puts out there is against three specific teams, one of them being the Giants. So the Giants, um, if you haven't heard, uh, Bill Belichick doesn't know how to check which <laughs> Brian he's texting. So um, if you know, recently the Giants have hired a new head coach, Brian Dable. 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 That's a, you, y'all know I don't. I'm not good at pronouncing stuff. <laughs> so they hired the Bills' offensive coordinator, Brian Dable. And so Brian Dable, once upon a time, used to work under Bill Belichick, just like apparently all these head coaching candidates used to. So. Bill Belichick thought he was texting Brian Dable when he told, when he said, congrats, I heard about New York. But he was actually texting Brian Flores. And this was three days before Brian Flores was set to interview with the Giants. So awkward. Bill Belichick sent this text out on a Monday. Brian Flores didn't have his interview until Thursday. And it wasn't until the middle of the conversation, Brian Flores asked, hey, coach, are you texting? Are you, did you mean to text Brian Flores or Brian Dable? And Bill Belichick said, oops, texted oops. the wrong Brian. 
Sorry about that, BB. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder what that feeling was when he read that text message, and what do you think this ran through his mind? Like, what has happened since that text message was sent? I, like, what we've experienced because of this, like, old man fat thumbing, is incredible from well, from the get go. <laughs> we'll get to that. Let me finish the rest of the okay, accusation. Okay, we'll, okay. we'll go deeper into that because that's that that's gold right there. Um, <laughs> All right, so that's the Giants. The Broncos, I think it was back in 2017 when Brian Flores interviewed for the Broncos head coaching position. He claims that John Elway and the owner and whoever else was on that interview board, they arrived late, and you could tell they'd been out all night drinking. And so essentially that factor is that that's when they ended up hiring Vic Fangio, if I'm correct. And essentially they didn't take his interview. He was claiming they didn't take his interview serious because they were just checking him off a list for the Rooney rule, et cetera, et cetera. Moving on to the dolphins. Dolphins is a little different story. Um, That one was with, of course the train has to come during my soliloquy, but the dolphins, the owner, Steven Ross tried to pay Brian Flores, $100,000 per loss. So that way they could tank and get a good draft position. And also, Stephen Ross tried to tamper in 2020, tried to set a meeting between Brian Flores and a quote-unquote hotshot quarterback, which, I mean, it's kind of publicly out there that it's Deshaun Watson. Um, And Brian Flores wasn't flying with all that because he didn't want to break the tampering rules. So... He left the meeting, the setup meeting, before Deshaun Watson could even get there. Um, so that's that's the main gist of it, at least those main accusations. Um, but yeah, Alex, so we'll, I guess we'll start with well, you. Your your thoughts? Just, oh, just to oh. clarify, it, it was Vic Mangio, but it was 2019 for the Broncos. 2019. Okay, yeah. 2019. So got the year 2019. Alexander Declare. Thoughts, comments, concerns? Lots of concerns and certainly plenty of comments. Um, (laughs) Man, this is kind of something that we've been waiting for because when when, uh, Brian Flores was fired after the first back-to-back, or I I don't believe it was the first back-to-back winning season, but it might have been the first of this decade, or at least the last decade, we all kind of scratched our head like, man, like I felt like he was doing a pretty good job, you know, with what he had. And I mean, they, they, Tua is not really what we wanted or what we thought he would be at least. And they're kind of the pieces there. And it it just was a weird situation. And Brian Flores made the most out of it. And listening to this guy, I, I'm not a Dolphins fan. So listening to him talk on a majority of the shows today, I really gained a, a deeper respect and understanding of like who this guy is like him as a man. And he is to the core, a competitor and he just wants to do it the right way. And to see all of this come out and how professional and organized and very straightforward he is with all this, with no ulterior motives, like he knows doing this, it's just going to totally, I mean, not maybe not totally, but (laughs) very large chance of ruining his opportunities in the future with the NFL, because he's basically 
saying, hey, I need a job from y'all, but at the same time, y'all are racist. Like, you're not hiring me, you're not keeping me, you're doing all these things. You're checking the box. So I'm very proud of Brian Flores for doing this because this is something that even watching him on the TV shows, he came across very professional and collected, like I said, but also uncomfortable because this is not something he felt he he wanted to do, certainly, but something he had to do that nobody else really had the position to do. Because if you think about it, the black head coaches in this league that have uh, that have had this happen to them, very few, and even less so the people who have the courage to step up and say so. I mean, we saw the Mike Tomlin clip where it's like, you know, I'm not going to comment on this. Don't ask me about it. Don't do this. Mike Tomlin's probably the only other black coach, the only other coach in this league that has the pull or at least the respect that could do something like this. So this very may very well end Brian Flores' career in the NFL. But man, this is some damning shit. And for for the Dolphins, what they're going through kind of makes a lot of sense here. Like what, what's been happening and how we really thought, I mean, Brian Flores, man, that's you want to talk about a great coach. And then all of a sudden you, they're not, it's like they were trying to get there, but at the same time we knew they were holding back and now we know why. So very, very, very troubling day in the NFL. Yeah. Um, especially back-to-back winning seasons. Now under the situations, the circumstances that Brian Flores is talking about, the duress he was under from his owner and whatnot, the fact that he was still able to pull off back-to-back winning seasons. And, you know, not only that, just the way he ended those seasons. <laughs> I mean, can't say enough about the guy. I, I, I totally agree with you in the fact that um, I had no idea what he was like as a person, as a man, or anything until I saw the interviews that he did today. And he, he, he blew me away. He's just like, I was like, if there's anybody to be the face of this movement, I was like, this, this is the guy right here. Because yeah. he's just so... He, he, you can tell he's so well respected, so well mannered. He, he's, a, he's like you said, he's a competitor at the core. He, he even said he's like God gave me a gift to coach the game of football, and all I want to do is just use that and do that. Give me goosebumps, bro. Yeah, You're right. I, like he's, I know, just so like well put together, and it's so sad that he has to do this, but I'm proud of him for doing this because somebody has to. Yeah. And the thing is, you, you could tell he didn't want to do it, but he no. felt like he had to. And especially like you were mentioning earlier when I was giving out the accusations. When you have something as big, I, I'm pretty sure the catalyst was the Bill Belichick text. It has to be, man, because that's that right there. I mean, just take take that out of the equation. You don't really have a solid case. Yeah. But that text. Yep. That text, those text messages give you that solidifies your case because it's just why am I being interviewed if they already have their candidate? What like, you know, and the one thing they did talk about too, there, I mean, behind the scenes, there have been coaches, uh, black head, black coaching candidates that refuse to even go to um, interviews for head coaching vacancies because they feel like they're just a check check box. They're yeah. not really actually being considered for 
the uh, their interview for for the coaching position. And so that it just honestly it just shines the light on on a problem that's been there for a very long time. And I guess they had good intentions with the Rooney rule, but ultimately, after hearing the way they everybody talks about it, I'm just like, man, the Rooney rule kind of. I feel like, like the terms a certain of service, extent, bro. It's like the terms it, of service. You just sign at the bottom so you can get whatever you're trying to get out of the, you know what I'm saying? Like you, you always get the yeah. term, you scroll down to the bottom and just check the box and then move to the next page. That's what that is. <laughs> yeah. Essentially it, it seems like they were better off doing without the Rooney rule. Cause then you could really just, you know, what's going on. Like, you know yeah. who the candidates are. And honestly, it's just, the thing is you, you, you can't look at the situation and not think there's some systemic racism going on. Cause if you, you just do the numbers, pure numbers, how many uh, black players there are in the NFL. And then you translate that onto, you know, how many, if the league, let's just say the league, I don't know for sure. I think it's around this, but 70% African-American. So here you go. This is on the court document. Okay. So these are the numbers for you. There's only one, of the NFL's 32 teams, that's 3% employs a black head coach. Four of the NFL's 32 teams employ an offensive coordinator, a black offensive coordinator, 11 defensive coordinators, eight special teams, three quarterback coaches, six general managers, and that comes from a pool of players that's approximately 70% black. It's been 20 years since the Rooney Rule has been put in place, and here we are 20 years later, and we have a racial allegation or racial case that's coming up, and there's only one black head coach. This is what you call a sh- a clusterfuck for the NFL. This is a shit case. You you could not have this at a worse moment that the only black head coach is Mike Tomlin. And Mike Tomlin is like a god. Like Mike Tomlin is one of the greats of greats. If 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 for whatever reason he was let go, I mean, we it's be like Brian Flores on crack. Like this whole situation be like, "Whoa, Mike Tomlin." But Brian Flores, this situation, man, like again, I didn't understand when he got let go from the Dolphins because what more do you want from your coach with the with the materials, the players, the staff, the I mean, apparently they're paying him to lose. You know, what more do you want from him? So, not not a good look at all for the NFL. That's for sure. Yeah. The ironic thing with Mike Tomlin is that, I mean, from what they said earlier on ESPN, he is one of the few guys that um, actually had a positive effect from the Rooney rule because he was Pittsburgh Steelers last interview and they were dead set on, I don't remember the guy's name. They already had their guy that they were dead set on. And so they were interviewing Mike Tomlin just to check off the box but Mike Tomlin ended up blowing them away. So he actually, Mike Tomlin actually ended up getting that coaching job. So that's the kind of, kind of irony with that, that part. But I think one of the best things about um, his interview with get up his, his attorney, one of the things his attorney said, because once the lawsuit hit the fan, like hit the, hit the media spread out, NFL obviously put out a statement. You would think they would put out a statement of like, oh, these are some accusations, uh, crazy, ac- like big time accusations. We're going to investigate and try to see what we could find, yada, yada, yada. No, they immediately s- debunked it. They said, 
you know, this is uh, taken out of hand and there's no truth to this, whatnot. And the attorney, Brian Flores' attorney on Get Up said, it's funny how the NFL took longer to investigate deflated footballs than they did to investigate racial discrimination within oh. hiring head coach hiring head coaches. Oh. And I was just like I'm just like, "Oh my god, if this is his legal team, he might be they He's might no be winning win. some, bro." I was like, yeah. "That's a bar, bro." Cuz I start even I started thinking I was like, Damn, he ain't lying, bro. They dismissed this shit so quick. But Deflategate took forever. Oh, sheesh. I, I think, do you have, AM, do you have the full statement from the NFL? Because I have a part of it here. I don't know how long it is, but this is the part that I have uh, from DolphinsWire.USA today. Uh <laughs> The NFL and our clubs are deeply committed to ensuring equitable employment practices and continue to make progress in providing equitable opportunities throughout our organizations. Diversity is core to everything that we do, and there are very few and there are few issues on which our clubs and our internal leadership teams spend more time on. We will defend against these claims, which are without merit. So just like you said, they're gonna defend and they believe the claims are without merit, but we're got a legal document here that is very, very public. And when you read it, you kind of, you, you, like you said, you, you sit there and you think like, man, like this makes a lot of sense. Like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a lawyer, but reading these documents and, you know, putting the puzzle pieces together, this makes a lot of sense. And the thing is, this is a class action lawsuit. So other people that gives the ability for other people to join in on the lawsuit. So imagine if Brian Flores, you know, started this and people, you know, we already have Hugh Jackson kind of stepping up, saying some things that he was getting paid uh, to lose games as well. And just start getting other minority head, co former minority coaches or candidates and whatnot to start coming out and telling their story. This is going to be a shit show, an absolute shit show for the NFL. And especially, one of the things they were talking about was if this legal proceeding gets to the discovery phase where they're able to pull up emails, text messages, all that stuff, kind of similar to how the John Gruden stuff came up, very similar to that. Oh, my God. Imagine the gold mine they would find. And because I'm I'm pretty sure, dude, they're come on. These guys aren't that smart. They're, they they. They probably said some shit through text or email oh, yeah. or something. A hundred percent. I guarantee it. And the the thing I really one of the things I really like that Brian Flores said is that he said, you know, the the NFL, the 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 United States, the people follow the NFL. He's like, that's how big the NFL is, that's how much the NFL means to people. The NFL is essentially an example for the American people. And he said that, to paraphrase, it, if the NFL, the NFL could set a good example by doing the right thing here for the whole country and do right by the whole country. And I, I really felt that. I was like, man, you ain't lying, dude. Like, 
I don't know. This dude was just spinning bars. His attorneys was spinning bars. I was just like, man, how do how do you look at this? How do you how do you watch this interview and not just, dude? Yeah, you're right, man. Like, I mean, how how can I argue with you? You know what I mean, dude? And and it's crazy that people are saying that like he's doing it for the money and stuff like that. This guy has two jobs on the line. And he has everything to lose. Makes it a class action thing. That's that's not him saying like I I only want money or is none of that, dude. This guy has everything to lose, and he's putting everything on the line for what he believes. Right. What money is even on the line? They haven't yeah. even released. They haven't even released like, oh, Brian Flores is looking for six billion dollars for <laughs> reparations and repercussions for his, uh, you know, him getting his feelings hurt or something. You, you haven't heard yeah. any of that at all. Yeah. And. It's just the sad part is, though, ultimately, I'm I'm kind of scared this won't this will be all be all for nothing because that, that's what I'm thinking, because you brought up uh, the, the emails and then I go back to the Washington football thing with John Gruden. And I think I'm like, oh, man, like what happened with that? And then I go and look and it's like the last time we talked about that, there's articles in October. And then that kind of settled. And that's sexual harassment. And that's, you know, there was emails and text messages, all this stuff. It came out, it was like two days worth of talk. And then, like, we all forgot about it. You know, like, there's there's things, and I can't even think of other things that have been like this, but I guarantee every year we get something like this where it's like, man, like, what? And then all of a sudden it's gone a week later and we just forget about it. So I really hope, just like you, that it's not all for nothing because this is this is something I feel like is the catalyst. Not only <laughs> Bill Belichick's text messages might be the catalyst for like the whole teardown in the NFL. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're going to start to see some stuff, hopefully, that is going to inflict some change because there does need to be some change. It is beyond bizarre that we have been watching a 70% population of one race and the coaching race of that population is is three percent like that is so proportionally wrong it just makes no sense to me like how do you have all of your players of one race and they've all played the game at such a high level and then obviously they 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 garner respect and you're going to want them in your organization as defensive coordinators offensive coordinators always they move up the way and then they get to head coach, and then there's no head coaches. Well, these are the guys that are probably the most experienced and the most deserving are the former players. And the ones like Brian Flores. Brian Flores didn't make it to the NFL. I looked it up because of injury. But he started with the Patriots and then moved forward and this and that. And we have a lot of former players that have tried to go the coaching route. And I think a lot of them, again, I speak, I, I do not speak for them. This is total speculation. But I believe a lot of them don't fully pursue that path because they know at the end of the road, they're not going to reach where they want to go. So why even try, you know, go find a, a, a path that will give you the opportunities you're looking for. So it's crazy. And I agree. I hope it, I hope we inflict some change here because it really does need to happen. This is, this is wild. We've never seen anything. I think this straightforward, this laid out. And then, Unfortunately, I think one of the biggest things about this, not even the Bill Belichick text, not even the the Denver Broncos situation, the Giants deal, it's the fact that we have evidence here that an owner was offering a coach $100,000 to lose games. 
Now, what I really, really hope and what I believe, hope, what I, what I think will end up happening is that we'll, we'll magnify or we'll, we'll magnify on that and we'll move away from the racial thing. I hope that doesn't happen. But at the end of the day, I think that's the most damning thing because we've seen so many situations like the Hugh Jackson situation where we're like, man, like, why do they just keep like tanking? We all like joke about tanking, but like, do you really like you're really offering your coach 100K to lose? Like, really? So I hope we stay on the racial thing. But the 100,000 a game, man, that's that's Brian, that's also scary. Brian Flores said it himself. He's like, I, I can't do that. I can't. I can't lose. I'm a competitor. Like, how exactly. can I do that? How can I do that to the player, to the, to these people, all the people that work, my staff, everybody, how can I do that to them? And it's just like, how can you be mad at this? How can you be mad at this guy for anything? It's kind of like, he was just, he's literally that, that guy that he did his job. I mean, Jesus, he was under Bill Belichick for 10 years, dude. You How, how can you disqualify his credentials? Head coach, he, was a pretty damn good head coach in a pretty mediocre situation. And it's just how, how can you get mad at this guy? He did what he was supposed to do, put his head down, put in the work to try to get where he wanted to get. And eventually, you know, X happened, Y happened, Z happens. Yeah. And at a certain point, you're just like, okay, this, this, yeah. this, there's got to be, this is enough. Like, I, I can't. I can't go on just having all this happen, having all this information and whatnot, and just let it slide. Just keep trying to hide it under the rug. Enough is enough, essentially. So, I mean, we can we can bat this around forever, just going back and forth with, you know, like unending opinions. But I want your opinion on this. Do you think the Rooney rule works or is it maybe good on paper, not good in action? Um, I think at this, at the point we're at today, it, it has to be, it's good on paper, but not good in action, especially, especially when at this point you have minority head coaches just refusing to interview just because they believe they're, they're just a check mark off the list. It's of, incredible to me. And essentially it, I mean, you might as well get rid of the rule because it's just, then it reveals on the NFL side, they can't do that though, because then it really reveals the, you know, the, the bias and who they prefer and whatnot. That you just can't, you really can't do that. But I have a question of that back at you, you two, if you, Alejandro, if you want to chip in. But Adam Schefter made a point. He said it would be genius, absolute genius, for the Houston Texans to hire. Brian Flores as their next head coach. He said it would a make them look great as an organization because they're standing by this guy, which I mean, we expect, I mean, this, I I feel like the general population is siding with Brian on Brian Flores, side. I sure hope so. Jeez. I mean, I, I, I don't see how you, the thing is, if you actually pay attention to this stuff, I don't see how you can't, I don't couldn't agree more. Yeah. And so, you know, A, it'll make the organization look good. B, your players will rally around this guy like no other. And you, you just, you'll become, we are, we, we know, we're Texans fans. They're the laughing stock. They're just, they're mediocre. They're nothing right now. But 
imagine hiring Brian Flores as your head coach in this situation. Like, yeah, it, it could be a pretty damn great move. Now, here's the thing. I texted my boy team. I was like, hey, you think what, what do you think about that? He said zero chance of happening. They're going with McCown. And I'm just like, that makes it even worse, man. Yeah, man. That's such a whiff. I I would run through a wall for Brian Flores after listening to him today, man. He just seems like a guy that he just has a presence in the room. And for the Houston Texans, to your point or to your question, we're not too many years removed from not Cal McNair, but I believe his dad saying the inmates run the prison. You remember that? And yeah. they and it was I don't remember the exact Hopkins, quote, but it's like Hopkins or yeah, whatever. something like that. I don't know if it was Cal or his dad or who it was, but it was somebody from the it was, it was Bob. Okay. And that was a really, really bad look. Like, man, oh, man, was that a bad look? And to kind of undo that mistake, you don't get a lot of opportunities to undo things that you've already done, you know, that are very negative in this case. This is kind of one of those opportunities, and I applaud you because you were the one just hammering it home like, what, a week or two ago when we had T-Mill on, and you're like, Ryan Flores is going to be the next head coach of the Texans. And sure enough, I don't know if you got a text from Bill Belichick or what happened with that. But you knew that this was going to happen. And I think it would be a genius move. I think I think you even have the potential at that point to talk Deshaun Watson out of leaving. I think you have so much pull with so many free agents with that much of a move. I think it's a move that can totally turn a franchise around. Not even like Brian Flores could be a 500 head coach. But what he's doing right now would put the pieces in place that he could win a Super Bowl based on just the impact of this whole thing. It's so, so huge, man. And the longer this goes on, the better that move will look. But if Josh McCallan, if we want to go down that route, well, we are Texans fans, aren't we? <laughs> uh, uh, I was just, uh, it's funny because I told Timo, I was like, man, that wouldn't that prove the racist point a little bit more if they go with uh, McCown, who has no coaching experience? Head coaching after firing experience? the black head coach after what season? Yes. It's like, it's versus, so bad. <laughs> versus so- Brian Flores, who, first of all, they all, they know because they've been in the Patriots. I mean, we have, freaking what's his face the patriots people in executive position so they know brian flores they know what he's about we've seen what he's done he has coaching pedigree he has success coaching success and you pick mccown over brian flores it checks every box man and, even the patriots box and and, and i told i i told Timo, wouldn't that add on to his case of like you know racism he's like not rate they're not racist just stupid and i was like yeah that's true <laughs> that's fair that's fair i was like that's also fair too they are just stupid but like i said i think it'll be if they hire brian Fl- dude i would have been on the phone real quick after everything today i'll be tomorrow be uh brian flores we want to offer you contract to be the head coach of the houston texans please mhm yeah we'll agree to those figures can you keep us out of the lawsuit as well? Yes. <laughs> and so 
Yeah, I think it'll be a great move for them. I mean, just straight up, he's probably the best coaching candidate they've been interviewing. I forgot. He's uh, the best Gannon, one available, I think. Gannon, Gannon is the other one. Um, defensive well, I mean, coordinator. Let, let's get back. I mean, we're getting a little off track here. Let's get back to kind of what we're dealing with. So if the Rooney rule is good in on paper but not in action, what do you think – is needed in order to increase this population of black head coaches or minority head coaches? <sighs> I mean, that that's the thing. I, I do not know. That's the billion dollar question right there. Isn't I it? do not, I, I do not know what the exact procedure or what needs to be, what rule needs to be in place. If there is a rule that could be implemented to help this cause, I mean, I, I I really don't know. Um, let me okay. Let me help you out then. So there's obviously 31 white owners, and then the Green Bay Packers situation. Do you think having a black owner would make the difference on black head coaches, or do you think that it's kind of a separate deal? I I think it would because, I mean you. you they they won't see through that they they won't have that bias toward like they won't see black head coaches as yeah they won't lesser, see color basically yeah l- lesser than the white head coaches so but uh, so but, you're just talking about like one team you you would think it would just have an impact on that one team not like the whole NFL I think just one I mean whatever team that owner is okay all you have control over you don't have yeah. control over if you're a black owner of the Carolina Panthers. I mean, you only have control over the Carolina Panthers. You can't tell Jerry Jones what to do with the Cowboys. You just, you can't, it is what it is. But I mean, even, even then that's a hard club to get into just cause I'm pretty sure the owners, you have to be, if you're like the Broncos, they're on sale right now. Minority tries to come in and own it. Like all the other owners. Three quarters. Three quarters have to approve. approve. Are they going to? You know, it's a very exclusive club, and they're trying to keep it that way. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when you have that neighborhood, they try to keep that neighborhood that certain type of way. They don't like the outsiders kind of starting to move in a little bit. So, Billionaire Boys Club, that's what it is. So, so that's the thing is, and, you know, you can't you can't cross your fingers and hope that, oh, these, you know, billionaire minorities will start buying up, you know, NFL teams because it, it's not it's not really just going to work that way. They can't just throw mm. billions of dollars and they get the team. No, it, does, it doesn't work like that. And so I think it's just one of those things that these guys have to they have to. Be, get I mean, ultimately, just get better at at just evaluating like just opening their minds up i don't know i i, I really don't know the hard thing man yeah okay, I have and, a question. okay is the problem in the solution only an nfl thing because i looked it up so only 14 blackhead coaches in ncaa fbs programs that makes up 10 percent of 130 uh members that that's that's not a lot man like is the solution starting off in smaller things like college football? Let's get more black coaches in college football. 
maybe that will lead over and getting more coaches into the NFL. Is it like a ladder thing, or is the problem and solution just in the NFL? I mean, you, you got to understand, coaching in NFL in college, as we've seen so many times, it's, it's two completely different things. Yeah. You, can't, you can't take Nick. We've seen Nick Saban in the NFL. Didn't really <laughs> work out too well. I'm pretty sure if you took Bill Belichick in the NCAA, it's not, it won't, he's not going to be yeah. the next Nick Saban. It's not going to happen. So I think you got to treat it as two different, completely different entities. NCAA on that side, I think there's a lot more statistics to go along with that, that he- versus the NFL, because in the NCAA, the coaches recruit. Yeah. So if you're, if you're A&M and Jimbo Fish, Jimbo Fisher's recruiting the number one class every year. I mean, you can't really argue against that. Now, that's why you got somebody like Deion Sanders over there at Jacksonville State, you know, slowly but surely trying to reel in. And so that will kind of be the test to see. I mean, he already snagged the number one uh, recruit in the nation. And so I guess that will be kind of the sample of, of that going forward. But I feel like this main issue, this issue is mainly in the NFL just because I honestly don't know why. I don't know. I don't know like the difference between like, oh, I want to be an NFL head coach. Like you start through going through the coaching ranks of the NFL and then, you know, versus let me go through the NCAA yeah. coaching ranks. I, it's I, a different I really game, man. I think you brought your best point was the recruiting. It's just, it's a different game. And, you know, to imply that there's systematic racism in college football, that's a topic I don't have any research, knowledge, understanding of. You know, I don't I don't know nearly as much behind the scenes efforts that go in go on during a college football program than I do an NFL program. You see what yeah. I'm saying? Like it's just for me, I, I have a better understanding of the NFL than I do college because there's so many moving parts in college with the recruiting aspect. So but in the NFL, like we're we're literally watching these guys on yeah. everyday TV, ESPN, uh, Fox Sports, these African American former players like breaking down the game and whatnot. How come these guys aren't getting head coaching jobs? Why are, why is there why is Lewis why these, Riddick why, not have a head coaching job or a GM job? GM that's job. that's my biggest thing. Lewis Riddick is a genius. I love listening to him talk football. And what 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 was it you said? There's eleven uh, minority defensive coordinators. I think eleven defensive, four offensive. So fi- fifteen coordinators out of thirty-two. And just do the math: thirty-two times two, sixty sixty-four. Why why are why are those fifteen? How come they haven't? You know, you see there where the yeah. blockage stops because then you go up a rank and there's only one black head coach. Yeah, one minority head coach. So it's well. Like, then we, I mean, then we have like the Eric enemy situation last year, and then we have, you know, the Brian Flores this year, and you know, I I want to touch on the, you know, you met, I brought up the owners question. This was a big thing that I would did a lot of research on today. Um, the average age of an NFL owner is seventy. There are currently three that are in their fifties and seven that are older than seventy-seven. So it gives you an idea if you're 70 years old, you were born in 1952, Civil Rights Act of 1964. I'm not implying anything in regards to people's intentions or if they see color or whatever. I'm just saying 
we live in a time right now that everything moves very, very, very fast. We hear like this, this class action lawsuit, all these documents were filed yesterday, 7.25 p.m. is when CNN posted this. So we can assume midday yesterday. Brian Flores was on major news outlets this morning. And now we're sitting here talking about it. You go back 40 years, it's newspaper and it takes time and the, the stories develop over the course of a week. And so my point is time heals all wounds. And in this case, it's a hard pill to swallow because in situations like this, you need a catalyst like a Brian Flores to start this conversation, but it needs to be an ongoing conversation so that time can heal this wound. Because we're bringing up great valid points, and there have been plenty, plenty of black head coaches or minority head coaches that are more than qualified for a position, certainly over some that are white, certainly. Unfortunately, right now, we're working it like, you almost feel like time like old is fighting new at this point like we're trying to transition into the new and we see that in society like a lot of transition into acceptance of trans people and people who are interested in different genders and this and all all of this transfer and then we see the pushback from the old like we're in a very weird time and this is just kind of a part of that where we need to focus on this and make this more uh, a priority for this league and hold the league accountable because there isn't really an answer for why there aren't head black, more head black coaches because there's there's deserving ones and you can't really pinpoint it on the owners because you're right it takes three-fourths majority rule or vote to get into the good old boys club or the the, the billionaire boys club and then on top of that like i mean it just it, it just gets passed down to the family exactly the family, it just most keeps of going these, down 17 of these teams are family-owned. 17 out of 31 are family-owned. And then the last couple times that we've seen teams be sold was 2018 with the Panthers, where Richardson, Jerry Richardson, had sexual allegations and whatnot, harassment, whatever going on. So he had to leave. We might see the Dolphins also go up for sale this year. So I'm really hoping that we see a black minor or a minority group purchase a team because the majority of these guys are groups that purchase teams. It's not just single white dudes that are just dropping, you know, 1.5 billion. There are some of those. Sure. But it, you see a lot of groups. So we'll see a group together. And the limit is like 30 people. Like it's an insane limit. So you get a group well, of half a dozen people that can afford this, like, like the P Diddy group with the Panthers. And he just well, got outbid. I think, I think uh, from what I read too, but there has to be one person that owns at least 30%. Yeah. Of it because the NFL want, does want that like oh this is the owner this is the face yeah. like the cal cal mcnair this is the owner of the houston texans yeah. like they want that guy but there's certainly fun. not a lack in money and i just real quick the so 2018 was the panthers and then 2014 the bills and the owner the original owner of the bills died and it was a situation <laughs> i guess that he wasn't one of the 17 would be 18 teams that his family owned so this doesn't happen very often, man. The ownership doesn't transfer over, and I think this is something that can be solved separate from ownership. But once we start to see ownership kind of transfer to younger generations or be sold to minority groups or other people with new outlooks and more future, for, like forward thinking, I think we'll start to see some more 
immediate change. But right now, it just needs to be a conversation that keeps on going. We don't need to have another Washington football team October, and then all of a sudden we're sitting here in February. Like when, <clears throat> Washington when Commanders. Washington, Washington Commanders. Commanders. Thank you. They came out with the name. So Washington Commanders uh, situation where like, you know, we talk about it for a week and then it's gone. That doesn't need to happen. That need, We need to keep talking about it. And that's on the major media outlets, man. That is because they need to keep the narrative going. They need to keep pushing, 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 pushing. Because Brian Forrest is a great guy, man. He doesn't need to die on this hill alone. So he doesn't need to die on a hill at all, man. He needs to walk over this hill. Yeah, it's very interesting. You know, you're given the age groups of the, the owners of the NFL. And the first thought that popped into my head and you were like, you know, these are the people that are in charge of the NFL running these organizations and whatnot. It's kind of funny because the first thought that popped into my head is it's kind of like how our uh, our countries ran. Yep. It's it's exactly the same same thing. A bunch of very old people. And you're wondering why are these people the ones that are running our country when. They're so out of touch of what's actually going on right now. So, Dude, there's so I'd... many people in government that have been there forever. And there's just no term limits or anything. Like, I'm not going to name anybody specific because I don't have beef with anybody specific. I don't keep up with politics like that. But it is wild that we see, like, government lifers. And as a kid, I believed working, you know, being a public representative was to be a public representative. It was not... You know, you're going to do this for life. It was more like you serve your time almost like in a military sense where you serve your time and then you go and you do your charitable work. You work for your people, your county, your state, your whatever. And yeah, it's it's the same. Uh, you bring up the same point that I. I brought up which years ago gay people couldn't get married five years ago trans people like that was not viewed like at all positively you know like we are moving very very fast and we're at a time where like the future is fighting with the past and we just got to give it time to get to the point where everybody is kind of on the same page because we got half the country on one page and the other half on another page and that's just that's what i believe that's what i deduced from the situation so Keep the conversation going, man, and just give it time. Let let people catch up. Yeah, man. I mean, this is like like you said. I'm re- reiterate what you said. It's just um, I I hope this doesn't die out. I hope this keeps, and, and I believe it will. As more people come forward, it will keep the story alive. Kind of like how similar to the Deshaun Watson when it first started, when a new plaintiff was added to the lawsuit, yeah. you know, or the just... Nasser, the 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 Nasser situation with the gymnasts. Yes, yes, yeah, that's and a so, good one. Yeah. So hopefully this doesn't die out. Hopefully the NFL is held responsible for this. Hopefully the NFL can make the appropriate changes that need to be made, and maybe we could get get some more positive changes going around that will unlock positive changes to go around in this country. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I completely agree, man. It's sad. uh, Just a last bit for you, uh, for the two fans. Also, Um, the giants have never had a black coach. I think you mentioned that. And Brian Flores grew up in Brownsville, Brooklyn, New York, and he grew up a New York giants fan. 
so sad to hear that, especially that he didn't even get the opportunity with what is his hometown favorite team growing up, his childhood team didn't get the opportunity. That's just total face palm, just like we're talking about the Texas total Texans total face palm. But this is this is a story that will keep developing, and uh, we will keep talking about it. Uh, but this is certainly the uh, the tip of the iceberg, and I'm I am uh, very interested to see where this goes from here. Alejandro, you did a ton of research, man. We did. You have anything that we missed that you wanted to shout out? Now, for for the most part, y'all y'all cover just about everything. That's good to know. Yeah, we but, analyzed the legal document as non lawyers, so we really had our fake legal or fake lawyer hat on, pretend pretend lawyer hat. <laughs> um, I mean, one thing Alejandro did just send me on send me on Twitter. I haven't actually clicked on the link. But apparently uh, Fox News posted it, of course. And it says, Eli Manning defends Giants in dispute with Brian Flores, where he says, quote, I don't think there was any wrongdoing there, end quote. And I'm just like, Eli, come on, check your privilege at the door, bud. Oh, that's not good. Check your privilege at the door, bud. We we could have a whole other conversation about white privilege and what that means and all that, but we will not go into that because then we teeter the line. Politics. We do not do that. We are sports people. That's what we do. Politics. <laughs> uh, well, two fans, you know where to find us at Slice Apples Pod, at Slice Apples Podcast. Uh, we'll be back with some more sports this week for sure. Uh, we still got to cover Tom Brady, man. The GOAT himself retired and. We got to talk about it. So expect to hear that from us this week and uh, we will see you next time.